Hallelujah. All right. You ready to rock and roll? Let's go to the prophet Nahum. Or Nahum. Chapter 1, verse 9. Hey, I just wanted to thank everybody for the honor. Uh, I feel just as honored to be here. And uh, we just honor the Lord Jesus Christ because he's our source. Amen. Because the gospel is good news. Amen. And it's great to preach a gospel that works. Hallelujah. Someone say the gospel works. Now, we overcome by the word of our testimony, and uh, it's really important, uh, this scripture. Uh, Nahum chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 7. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows who takes who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he'll make a complete end of its sight. Talking about the city of Nineveh at this point. So symbolic of anything that is wicked. Are you in Nahum chapter 1? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. So we're, not, we're never promised to not have trouble. Psalm 91 says that he'll be with us in trouble. So when we meet trouble, when we come face to face with hell, we have, we have a stronghold. Good morning. Hallelujah. Are you, are you in the training mode? So he promises to be with us in trouble. We're going we're gonna to meet conflict, but we're going to overcome. Amen? With an overflowing flood, he'll make a complete end of its sight, and he'll pursue his enemies into darkness. This is your God. Amen? Verse 9, whatever you devise against the Lord, he'll make a complete end of it, and affliction will not rise up. The second time. Say that with me. My affliction will not rise up the second time. I just felt impressed to give you that scripture because a lot of us are hearing about different healings that are taking place and hearing or actually experiencing them ourselves. Someone else just came up to me and said that they were delivered from depression last night as well. So So God is moving. Amen. And honestly, this should be normal. Hallelujah. Someone say normal. But the thing is this, you have to remember that whenever the word goes out like this, of course the enemy always is going to try to come back and convince you, did God really say? And so you must remember that when he comes back, he'll try to put symptoms back on your body. Are you hearing that? That's why you can't be ignorant of his devices. You must know what his tactics are. So he'll try to convince you. You lost your healing. You didn't lose your healing. You only lose it if you, if you don't keep it. So what I'm saying to you is if, if something comes back on your body, those are symptoms, it's a lie. It could even feel the same. But you, you were healed. You were delivered. So that's, that's just a good word to stand on. No, I don't receive this. My affliction will not rise up the second time. And you overcome by the word of your testimony. You start confessing the word of God, believing the word of God. And see, when this, the more you get this in you, it becomes second nature. So you develop, you develop a spiritual immune system. Are you hearing that? See, there's, there are ways that power flows or channels through which power flows. The lowest form of power flowing or the most basic way power flows is through the laying on of hands. Because it's, I say the lowest way because you actually have to touch and that's the point of contact, the law of contact and transmission. That's the lowest form. 
handkerchiefs and that that's a form of laying on of hands because you're still having to take something physical and touch touch what's going on you know what i'm saying okay so that's the lowest form this the, se- the second way is through the spoken word that's a higher form send the word speak the word my servant will be healed The, high, the highest form is the spirit of life in you, just, just repelling darkness, repelling death. So if you have two magnets and you, you turn them the wrong way, you can't, you can't put them together. You know what I'm saying? They repel each other. That's what, that's what God wants to happen in our lives. He wants us to have a revelation and a relationship with his spirit. Amen. That repels darkness. Amen. That repels death. Hallelujah. And that's activated by faith and trusting in the Lord. Is that okay? So remember, we're not trusting in food. I made a comment, it's good to eat good food, but don't trust in food. Don't trust in vitamins. Don't trust, you know, don't, I'm not saying abuse your body. Do, do common sense. Healing, healing doesn't make you superhuman. This is important because you get the wrong idea and people get funny. I know one guy, he's been under this teaching, he won't brush his teeth. And he's single. I wonder why. Hallelujah. He thought people were getting slain in the spirit. No, it's the breath of his mouth, not the breath of God's mouth. Hi, how are you doing? And they just... I'm serious. It's, I'm not making it up. I, I know this person. I've tried to talk to him. I said, man, you're weird. This is not right. No, I'm not, I'm not going to trust in my toothpaste. I said, okay. So some people are just going to have to learn the hard way, which is really unfortunate. So remember, Jesus was totally normal. He was naturally supernatural, supernaturally natural. That's what some of the things kind of JR was touching on. We don't have to, you know, be dramatic. Now, now when you command, sometimes you, it's good to get loud, but you don't have to get loud. loud volume does not equal power. Like, for instance, uh, if you go to a Benny Hinn crusade, they have hours of worship. Right? Do you know why they do that? It's for Benny. It's not for the people. What I mean by that is, his technology, he, lear- he, he learns what it is to stir himself up and to be in his element. I'm not saying the presence of God has nothing to do with it. It does, the, because the working presence can just break out. And we have to learn, we have to learn what that is, too, because... There is a difference between presence and power. Do you realize that? God's, God said, Moses, I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. He's going to cross over, and, and you know, he's going to go prepare a way for you. And Moses said, thanks, but no thanks. He said, unless you go, we're not going. So God offered, God offered Moses power without presence. And Moses went and settled. He said, we don't want just power. We want your presence. We want you. Are you hearing that? That's the difference be- between those in Matthew seven twenty one that that God's going to say, "I don't know you." They learned a spiritual technology, but they don't know His presence. Amen. But for those of us that love His presence, we 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 can fall on the other side of the ditch, where we never step out because we're afraid. So it's all it's all where your mind gravitates to. So if you get up and you pray, Lord, I'm not, you know, and all your songs and all your prayers have to do, Lord, unless you go with me, I'm not going. And, 
you know, it sounds good, but at the end of the day, what are you doing? You're stressing a negative. I can do nothing without you, and I, and I won't go unless you go. And I understand there's times when we, we must be tender and humble before the Lord. But see, a humble man is an obedient man. Amen? Humility is, is submitting to God. So when Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches, and you can do nothing apart from me, you know, that's the only thing we quote. But what about the fact that we're joined to him? What about the fact that we're one with him? What, what about the fact that his life is in us? So at the end of the day, what, what do we emphasize? Are you hearing? Your oneness with Christ. Amen. I'm, I'm going to just read a few things because I really haven't covered this in detail. Uh, I want to deal with the will of God concerning healing. And I'm actually just going to read it right out of the manual. Yeah, it's in page 29 in my manual. I know that some manuals were printed and there may be more pages, so that may not be the right page in your manual. But um, I just want to make sure we're all clear on this. We've, I've made reference to this many times, but if you don't have a manual, just jot down uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. Let everything be settled by the word of God. Amen. Pastor Graham and I were talking in the car, and he, he was just saying how, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus used the word to fight the devil. It's so true. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's how he responded. Is that what he said? I mean, here's the Son of God, and he's responding with the written word. We're sons of God, we should respond with the written word of God. Amen? So John 10, verse 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the devil. Amen? He's always the oppressor. God is never the oppressor. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So God's will must be that everyone might have life and have it more abundantly. That's God's will. Amen? First John 3, 8, we've quoted it. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. That means he practices sin. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So God's will must be that the works of the devil are destroyed. Can you say amen to that? Acts 10.38. So we have John 10.10, 10, 1 John 3.8, now in Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, I believe that as we get out there and minister and we start to see results, Paul, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was a young apostle, but he was told to do the work of an evangelist. So eventually, we are going to win souls. So I'm not, so when they say, when JR said it's not about soul winning, what he's saying is don't, don't feel undue pressure to try to make something happen, but you're supposed to let your light shine. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, we're all being transparent. I'll share some of my mistakes. I was shocked to find out some of my leaders didn't even know how to bring someone to Jesus. I thought, what? But then I, then I started thinking, well, I, I never really taught them. So, you know, there's, there are things that we're going to probably have to go back and relearn and review. And one of the things I think is really great is role-playing and practicing on each other and have, have, you know, have different responses. What do you do when, when someone tells you to get lost? 
See, the work of an evangelist is not just ministering power. Evangelism has to do with dealing with the conscience of people. Finney, Finney called it casting the gospel net and dealing with their conscience, and there's a persuasion involved. So you're not going to be able to do that with every single person you meet. Sometimes it's just showing God's love. Sometimes it's power being displayed. Sometimes you're going to actually have to sit down and talk with them. All right, so these are all things we have to learn. And remember, everything we're talking about is one spoke in the wheel. Amen? There are other things going on. God's building his church. There's government involved and so on. All right, so how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So who's the oppressor? The devil. So Jesus went about setting free that, that were oppressed, for God was with him. So God's will must be that if he's with someone, they should be anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And that person go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. It's only religion that, te that tells us our job is different than Jesus' job. He's our example. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. He's going to bring many sons unto glory. So even though there are gifts of the Spirit, people seem to be more graced in and more effective in. At the end of the day, we still all have the same job. Can you say amen to that? Third John 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. And please, when he says wish, it's not like I'm you know, wishing well. He, he means he desires as his passion. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So God's will must be that we prosper and be in health, and that our soul prospers. Amen? So before you can be in health, you must be healed. That's logical, right? So we want to keep our healing. We want to walk in divine healing. We want to minister healing. But it's a means to an end. All this is a means to an end. You're not supposed to just live here. This is something... It's just like, it's just like the functions of your body. You have a respiratory system right? But your purpose is not breathing. You have a digestive system. You don't live to eat food. I know some of us think we do, but we don't. That's a, that's a function of your body. So there are certain things within your Christian life and within the church a healthy church does. Fellowship is a function of the church. Worship is a function of the church. Amen. Doing these things are functions of the church. But at the end of the day, what are we supposed to do? Reflect Christ. Let Christ come forth in every part of our lives. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. After this manner, therefore pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will must be that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all-encompassing. That's really the purpose of the church. Amen? So we're talking about God's will in the area of divine healing. Because once again, if you're not clear about the will of God, your faith will never be established. The, the will of God, the faith can only live or, and be strong where the will of God is known. 
Amen. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So God's will must be that we be doers of the word of God, not just hearers. Amen. And there's no qualification as to which word we're to be doers of and which word we are to ignore. In other words, we're supposed to do all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me find a really neat verse. I'm on page 30 in the manual. Um, I want to read this story from another gospel. Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Did you hear what he said? He didn't say work for eternal life. He said inherit. This Jew understood inheritance. You know how much the church is still, that's what this, you got, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to keep revealing to you this subtle thread of Old Testament mentality. And he's going to help you steadily break it. And it's just changing your mind. It's just renewing your mind to the truth and walking in that truth. So this guy knew that an eternal life was something to inherit. Amen? So Jesus answers him in verse 19. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. Was Jesus good? Of course he's good. So what's he saying to the guys? If you don't believe I'm God, don't call me good. He was dealing with Jesus like he's a teacher. Uh I'm missing Sophia. I talked to her last night. She's like, da 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 da. Oh, da. Thought, Man, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Gotta kick a few more devils out. Coming home. Hallelujah. So he knew that he had to inherit eternal life. He said, "Why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone." So he's so he's saying, "Look, if you." Don't, if, you, if you think I'm just a teacher, don't call me good. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. Now look at verse 22. And when Jesus heard this, he said, one thing you lack. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Is that what he said? No, but he said it in different words. Look at verse 20 again. He starts off, you know the commandments. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second, love your neighbor as, you, as yourself. Right? Those are, so, so he begins to answer this man, this rich young ruler, and he leaves off the first two greatest commandments. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. That's not the first commandment. Don't commit murder. That's not the first commandment. Don't steal. That's not the second commandment. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Adultery is behavior. Murder is behavior. It's something you do. Stealing is something you do. Lying, bearing false witness, not honoring your father and mother. That's an action. That's ungodly wickedness, something that, that someone does. 
it's all, see, all flesh is basically selfishness. Right? So it's actually not right to say, and I, you know, I'm, again, don't get hung up on terminology, but at least think scripture, okay? God never told you to kill self. That's not found in the scripture. What's found in the scripture is crucify the flesh. So if you're not clear about what the flesh is, when you say, I must decrease and he must increase, you're going to probably be confused. What is the flesh? Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. So does God want to kill your personality? No. Does he, does he, is he mad at you if you like a muscle car? No. Is he, is he, you know what I'm saying? So we think, okay, I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to myself. I've got to, you don't know what you're talking about because you're not defining it biblically. It's a crucify the flesh. So this guy comes to Jesus. He understood he needed to inherit something. And Jesus says to him all the things he shouldn't do. He says, I, I, I'm not doing any of that stuff. He said, one thing you lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But you can't do that. You can't do what Jesus said unless you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? So, he, so he's basically saying the commandments to him, but in different languages get, to get him to see, hey, you are doing all this or you would do all this nonsense basically because you don't love God. You hear that? So that's important for us to understand. What I'm trying to tell you is the cure for selfishness, the cure for the flesh, is loving God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. They that belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Galatians, chapter 5. Verse 12. Hear what the Apostle says. Would those that are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. That means cut themselves off. That's some strong language. For you were called to what? Are you in Galatians 5, verse 13? You were called to freedom. Say that I was called to freedom. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take, take, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Now hear this, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. How do you walk by the Spirit? Doing the Word of God. Are you hearing that? Now look at verse 17. This is where we can really get messed up. You have to understand the context of what Paul says and why he says it. Look at verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit 
against the flesh. And these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. I hope you don't think that's you. That's not supposed to be you and me. That's not supposed to be where we live. He's saying, look, if you indulge the flesh, if you, if you allow this to happen, then you're going to go through this drama. And then we come up with doctrines where the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And then we teach out of Romans 7 how, you know, I can't do the things that I want. And then, you know, all, you know but all this is going on in me. No, you've got to go to Romans 8. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation. But there's, it's not just not about not con- no condemnation. He says what the law could not do, God did, sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. What did he do? He removed sin nature. So we do have to be disciplined. We do have to cast down thoughts. We do have to renew our minds. Amen? But you, you can't believe that there's these two natures inside you and you're always in the struggle and you know you're, one day you're in God, one day you're out of God. You've got to put all that down. Amen? So yes, there's discipline. That's why we present our bodies unto God. Amen? Can you get tempted? Yes, you can be tempted. But we overcome. God has made a way out of all that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Look at verse 18. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There's freedom. But don't use your freedom for an opportunity of the flesh. Is that what he said? Amen? He goes through the list of all the works of the flesh. The deeds of the flesh are obvious. Immorality or fornication, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. What is rebellion? It's as the sin of witchcraft. So rebellion is a form of witchcraft. Doesn't matter how many devils you cast out, you can still you can still have one in you if you're rebellious. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I forewarn you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit. The kingdom of God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. That means if you operate in those things, there's no rule to restrain you. Because love is never going to sin. Your spirit has been recreated in the image and likeness of God. Your Holy Spirit is in your spirit. Are you with me? So you can trust your spirit. Talk to me. You said, but, but my spirit told me something and it led me wrong. No, that wasn't your spirit. That was your soul. That was something else. It wasn't your spirit. God didn't leave us vulnerable. He gave us his word. He gave us his spirit. Amen? Verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ, do you belong to Christ? Have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us walk by the spirit. Amen? So just decide where you're living. Is that okay? 
Okay, let's let's we're going to go to our list here and the will of God. We talked about whatever the golden rule: whatever you want done to you, you should do unto others. Amen. I heard a preacher in my city on TV say that you should treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. His church is full. He's got all kinds of. We talk about cars, man. My goodness. He's got a team of guys that wash and wax the cars while he's preaching to decide which one to take home. So he trains everyone. Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Because if you hate yourself, others will hate you. But if you love yourself and bless yourself, others will bless you. That's psychology. That's not gospel. Amen. So be very clear. Amen. It's not just power. It's walking in love. It's not just led by the Spirit in some power dimension. It's led by His nature. Be rooted and grounded in love. Be rooted and grounded in His nature. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, I'm on page 67. Let's go down the checklist of the sacred cows. Make sure we kill them all. I don't know if it's the same in your book. It's chapter 10. So whether it's on a different page... We'll get through this list and we'll be taking a break. You got this? Sacred cows? Page 67 or chapter 10. Is it the same in all the manuals? It's not. Some have different. Just find chapter 10, sacred cows. Are you there? Okay, if you don't have it, just write these down. Number one is doubt. Okay, we've already defined that. Doubt means to stop. It means to hesitate. It means to back off. So a lot of times we, f- we think that we've doubted, but we've actually just been tempted to doubt. He said, believe in your heart. Don't doubt in your mind. Right? So just because you had a thought to doubt doesn't mean you doubt it. It means that the enemy is trying to get you to doubt. He's trying to get you to back off. Usually the first voice you hear is God. Right? That's why you probably shouldn't ask the Lord, Lord, what should I give in the offering? He'll say all. Because he has faith. Lord, what should I give? You know? He said, you don't want to add. That's why it says, let every man give as he purposes in his heart. I'm serious because God, God, God has no problem with you giving away everything because he's the source. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You give it all away, he knows how to give it back. So it's what you have faith for. You know, what should I give, Lord? Come on, give it all. I'll take care of you, you know. All right, let's, let's move on. So that's doubt. All right, doubt, doubt means you were tempted to doubt, but you don't actually doubt until you quit, until you back down, until you start confessing negative things. So that's the aspect. You don't dig up the seed, but just because you had a thought doesn't mean you doubt it. Is that okay? Are you clear? Have I hammered that home enough? All right, just because it went through your head doesn't mean you doubt it. Just because you had a thought doesn't mean you sinned. It means you had a thought. Now, what are you going to do with that thought? Are you going to believe that thought? See, every action is preceded by a thought. You first think it, then you do it. Isn't that true? 
and feelings are produced by thoughts. If I start talking to you, you know, about food, and I keep talking to you about food, I'm putting thoughts in your mind, and there's going to be your, your, you can begin to, you know, get hungry because I'm putting something in your mind. That's how the spirit world operates, right? Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't. What are you doing? Your mind immediately pictures a pink elephant, right? Because because your your spirit is like the keyboard, and your mind is a monitor screen. It's your laptop screen, your iPad, your phone, whatever. Okay, so whatever technology you want to put there, just your mind is a screen. Your spirit is a keyboard, right? Say so my spirit is the is the keypad. My mind is a screen. So you have your own thoughts. That's you. That's your personality. That's you. What do you want for breakfast? Oh, I'd like some bacon today. You know, some, some eggs, whatever, some toast. That's not God telling you to eat bacon or toast. You know, it could be the devil. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm just saying. It's just you. Right? But then other thoughts come. And you have to discern, is this a God thought or is this a thought that is coming from this world? And so if you dwell on the wrong thoughts, because remember there's only two minds. There's the mind of Christ and there's the mind of the devil. You think like one of the two. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you. My Father in heaven. Lord, you can't go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking and savoring the things of men. So when you think like man, you think like the devil. That is to say, when you think only in line with natural laws and what the world's philosophy, that is influenced by the prince of the power of the air. That's why you've got to go back to the Word of God and keep steadily renewing your mind. What does the Word say? Study the Word. Study to show yourself approved. Love the Word. Amen? Then confess the Word. Act on the Word. So your, if your spirit is the keyboard, then that means, just like I said, don't think of a pink elephant. You picture that, right? But now you have to choose. Are you going to keep that image or delete the image? So if I, if I start giving you thoughts, you know what? The, the economy is so bad. So many bad things are happening in the world. You know, how could you even want to have a baby in this world? You know, it's so dark. It's so bad. It's so You start to hear these thoughts. What a, a spirit of fear. And by the way, a spirit of fear is a spirit that's afraid. That's important. Spirit of fear is a spirit that's afraid because it's when you receive it, you are taking on its nature. Its nature, it is afraid. It be, so it tells you it's defeated already. Jesus defeated that thing. All right? So those thoughts come in your mind, and they're not scriptural. They're not the word. If you keep thinking on those thoughts, and you keep entertaining those thoughts, then pretty soon that's going to nurture emotions and feelings. And, if, you know, that's why he said, don't remember the former things. Neither consider the things of old. So if you think about the wrong things, like if I think about certain things I've been through, I'll get depressed. That's why I don't think about them. Set your mind on things above. Amen? Set your mind. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. 
Amen? So understand, that's doubt. Doubt is to back off. Number two, one person's faith. We cover that in Matthew 17. Jesus got on the disciples for not having faith to set the man's son free. The responsibility was on the minister. You hearing that? However, that doesn't mean you come into a passive do-it-for-me mode. As a believer, healing is the children's bread. So there's no hindrance to healing. But if you, if you don't learn how to keep it yourself, then you're always going to be in this state of needing someone else's faith to help you. And at some point, you've got you to gotta conquer and win your own battles. If you need help, we can help you. Are you hearing that? All right. But we mustn't, we mustn't hurt people and make them feel like they're evil or bad because they're needing help or they can't get free. We, we should have, see, kingdom authority is the power of God, the authority to break the law of sowing and reaping. If someone has lung cancer because they smoked, kingdom authority can interrupt the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping says you reap what you sow. So you have lung cancer because you smoked. It's true. But the goodness of God, the power of God, the authority of God can interrupt that law. Are you hearing that? I prayed for one lady. I know she's a, uh, she doesn't go to my church, but she's the mother of one of my members. And she had asthma. She had all kinds of breathing problems. I, can't, I forget all the diseases. I, you know, whatever. So we got the devil out. We said, you know, we ministered to her. She was healed. She was breathing fine. She went back to smoking. I said, now you're free. Why, why are you going back to the bondage? Oh, I just, you know, I said, well, Jesus said, go sin no more. See, that's the other side. Are you hearing that? Go and sin no more. All right, Romans ten seventeen is number three. Faith comes by hearing. Now, is that a scripture? Yes. Let's read it. Sometimes scriptures are just taken out of context. Romans 10. Look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire... And my prayer to God is for their salvation. Who's he talking about? Israel. Is that true? So when it, when it says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, the context was talking about Israel. Something to think about. We can apply that to other areas. But the context was Israel. Let's move on. Verse 2, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Is that true? So, 
Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you don't need Jesus. You need to be born again and saved like everybody else. doesn't matter what your family line is or what your background is. At the cross, the ground is level. We all, without God, we're all lost. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Is that true? Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law. He's fulfilled the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Moses writes that the man who practices the, right, the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. That means that, you, that if, you, if you make a mistake in the law, you've blown it. Verse 6, but the righteousness based on faith speaks. Say that the righteousness based on faith speaks. So faith speaks. Now this is going to really be a challenge for you. So just hear it and take it in context. Is that okay? Hope you know by now I love you and I'm on your side, right? Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what do we hear? O Lord, come by your spirit. O Lord, show up. Now, we have to come to the place where we're not thinking he's visiting us, but he's inhabiting us. And we prophesied last night, God is going to manifest his presence. We're looking for that. But the mentality is we have the indwelling presence. Let's just quickly write down different types of presence of God. The, fir the first one is the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence. I mean, he's everywhere all at once at the same time. In the same measure. All at once. Everywhere. At the same time. That's why there's nowhere we can go where he's not there. If you're on the airplane, he's there. If, he's, if you're in the desert, he's there. You're at home, you're in the shower, you're in the kitchen. His presence is there. He's there. Right? That's omnipresence. But then there's manifested presence. Manifested presence means he's coming out of the invisible world, he's breaking into the visible world, and his presence is showing up at a specific place at a specific time. He's manifesting. That's manifested presence. And we need to know that. We, that's, a, that's important. Because God crowns things with his presence. Amen? His presence doesn't come and, and crown darkness. His presence comes and crowns what he approves. So we need that manifested presence. And then there's what's called the working presence. Working presence. We had some of that last night because no one laid hands on anybody and his presence is just doing it. Jesus is doing it. Amen. That's a working presence. The Lord working with them, doing miracles, signs, and wonders. So please remember, he always confirms his word. Amen? I don't have to get him to confirm me. He confirms his word. And then finally, we have the indwelling presence. Indwelling presence. That's Christ in you. Amen? Christ in you. That's what First John calls the anointing that abides. Amen? 
Anyway, let's skip down to verse 17, or verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. Or he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Verse 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But please remember, he's talking about the Jews. Jews understood covenant. That doesn't mean you just say, Jesus save me and you're saved. You've got to be kidding. This is a covenant relationship. You, you have to live up to your side of the bargain. You have to live up to your covenant. You can't say, Lord, I, hallelujah, I'm saved, once saved, always saved, and live how you ever want to live. No. Are you hearing that? That's why they're talking about consecration. Verse 14, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him who they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, or the word of God. So when you heard the word of God, faith came. And you were born again, and you received the measure of faith. It's a sacred cow to say you don't have enough faith because you receive the measure of faith. You have the mustard seed faith. What you need to do is develop that faith. So don't think in terms of, do I have enough faith? All right, faith is a choice to act on the word. You don't need more. You need to make a choice. To say you don't have enough faith is to say, I'm not sure if I can trust God. He's, he's, he's not trustworthy. We don't want to say that, amen? He's always trustworthy. Okay, great faith and little faith. We covered that in number four. There's only two people who he said that to, the Syrophoenician woman and the centurion. Neither one of them were in covenant. Neither one of them were born again. And so they were believing God for something that was not rightfully theirs. It was not rightfully their inheritance. So you and I, as sons and daughters of God, we don't have to have great faith because we're in the family of God. He told the woman, you have great faith. But before he granted the miracle, he told her no. She said, set free my daughter. She's possessed with the devil. Jesus said, no, I'm not sent to you right now. Right? He said, I can't heal you. I'm not sent to you. You're a dog. That's what... He said, she didn't take no for an answer. He turned around and said, you have great faith. So great faith is not taking no for an answer. But in him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So he cannot say no to you if it's in the atonement. If it's something he provided in the word, he's not saying no. So any resistance you meet is not from him. See, if you're not sure about that, then, then you're going to be resisting. You, you won't have faith to resist because you think you might be resisting God because it might be God's will. See, it's all the maybes. It's all the might. That all undoes faith. All right? So sickness, disease, the, any kind of devil, they are enemies. They are to be fought. They are to be resisted. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Amen? Next one is uh, leading of the Spirit, or being led by the Spirit. 
That's a scriptural term, but sometimes we teach it wrong. When we say led by the Spirit, we don't mean that we need a special leading to obey a command. I don't have to have a leading to stay true to my wife. I don't have to have a leading to, to, to walk in love. I don't have to have a leading to honor my brothers. I don't have to have a leading to do what is right. That's a command. There's nothing to pray about. There's nothing to be led about. Romans 8.13 says, If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So what? that's Romans 8, 13, and 14. What does the Spirit of God lead you to do? He leads you to put to death the deeds of the body, the flesh. So you can't tell me you're being led by God's Spirit and you're just all fleshly. Being spiritual doesn't mean you have a vision and you saw an angel, you know. Because first of all, how do I even know that you saw that? Right? Oh, I saw an angel. I saw. I had. I had. I went to one place. I preached, and then later they said seven angels just walked into church. I thought. So I investigated. I wanted to hear this. I said. I asked the pastor, "Did you see them?" No. I said, "How do you know they were there?" Someone told me. I said, "Okay." I said, "What about God coming to church?" It's just weird, weird stuff. Now, angels are real. Amen. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. If you've never seen one, there's nothing wrong with you. What matters is fruit. Amen? What matters is obedience. See, angels, are, they, move, they have superhuman strength. They're, they move at super speed. If we see one, it's because they slow down long enough for us to see them. Because their bodies are made of a heavenly material. They, they exist in a different realm that's superimposed on our realm. And so sometimes when we minister healing or we, or, or we, like last night, we're prophesying, angels are released. But it's not something we concern ourselves with because the Bible says that they, are, they perform the word. They carry out the word. Amen? So sometimes, you know, you, you just have a witness. There's angelic presence and there. You know, it's just, it's just for your own benefit to discern, to know what's going on. You don't have to, like, concern yourself with it. Amen? We're not to pray to angels. We're not, we're not to, you know, worship angels. You know, this is my angel. He's helping me. You're not supposed to do that. You know, and then everyone's looking around and it's just weird nonsense. All right? That's just, that's just someone trying to make you feel like they have leverage over you. See, if I, if I puff up and say, I'm always talking about what I see and what I have and who I met and who talked to me, then what is it doing? It's, put, it's elevating me and making you feel small. Are you hearing that? That's why you hear when we minister, we minister the word. If we, say that, if we say that we saw something, it's so that it's a way of communicating the word. The word of the Lord came to me. Are you hearing that? Paul only mentioned his experience in heaven one time. He didn't go around preaching it. He didn't write a book on it and tell everybody about it. I went to heaven. This is what I, you know, he, he, he did it at the last most desperate moment to actually contend for his own apostleship. Because he had to tell the Corinthian church, they're so carnal, hey, I'm your father. That's pretty sad when you've got to tell your kids, I'm your father. That's how messed up they were. And that's, that's why he talked about 
how he was translated. He didn't go around talking about it and making, you know, inviting people to go to an open or to the third heaven. It says he was taken. Are you hearing that? It's like, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go treasure hunting. I'm gonna go to the third heaven. I'm gonna go to McDonald's. See, you know, people don't know what they're talking about. So let's just stay in line with the word. Can we do that? Is it good enough that the Spirit of God wants to use us in power and flow through us? Amen? All right, so let's look at Acts 16 very quickly. Just want to make sure that we all understand the leading of the Spirit. There are special leadings that happen. His Spirit does bear witness with our spirit. But in the times that you're not sensing anything, we can still be obedient to commands. Sixteen verse four. So Paul picks up Timothy, and in verse four, now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees. They were delivering the commands which had been decided upon by the apostles. That's the word of God now, Amen. And the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith, and were increasing in number daily. So what happened first? They increased in faith. They were strengthened in faith, and then numbers came. Verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The same God who said, go into all the world, said, don't preach here. When they had come to Mysia, or Malaysia as we like to say, right? They were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So... These are special leadings. They were not looking for it. They weren't looking for a vision. They weren't looking for a special leading. They set their hearts on, this is the command. We're going to obey the general command. We're going to do what the Lord said to do. We're going to do what is written. And as they started to obey, the Holy Spirit got involved, and he started dealing with their itinerary and started guiding them where he wanted to go. But most of the church today is, oh, Lord, where do you want me to go? Show me where you want me to go. We sit here and pray and pray and pray and try to figure out where to go. God said, just get going, start fulfilling the command, and I'll lead you as you go. Amen? Now let's look at at, uh, what happens here. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing, appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. You see that in your word? So who did the vision appear to? Paul. Did anyone, did anyone else have the vision? No, look at verse 10. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. But only the leader had the vision. But they understood covenant. They're connected to Paul. You said, you have the vision? This is what God said to you? We're all moving together. There was none of this individual, no, I don't really feel led to go there. Are you hearing that? But, but let me draw your attention to verse 9 again. What did the Macedonian man ask? He said, come over here and help us. Say that, come over and help us. So how did Paul help them? He preached the gospel. He preached the word of God. He gave them the truth. That's how we help people. Are you hearing that? All right, let's move on. So that's the leading of the Spirit, Rhema versus Logos. We talked about that. Basically, a lot of people teach that you need the Word of God quickened to you before you do it. That's not true. 
It's kind of in line with leading of the Spirit. You don't need a leading to obey a command in the same way. The rhema comes when you, when you start to do the logos. For instance, you start to read about all the scriptures about provision, and you start to renew your mind about provision. Then the Holy Spirit will speak to you, I'm going to bless you. You say, hallelujah. So the rhema came, but what was first? The logos. You renewed your mind, and you start to act on it. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Free, freely you've received, freely, give, freely you give. I don't think we've talked about that um, in the context of money. A lot of preachers will talk about it concerning money. Give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. But the context is, is talking about mercy. It's not talking about money. Amen? Okay, it's 11, almost 11.20. Let's be back here at 11.30. We'll do one more and break for lunch. Is that okay? Okay, let's, let's take a break. I think, I think 